You're listening to Freud's Angels, where we talk about where the science of the mind meets the spirit of the heart. Each week, we'll discuss ways to create awareness of yourself and your reaction to the world around you today, as well as healing events of the past. I'll be bringing in both traditional and non-traditional psychology concepts, and I'll be bringing the healing through the lens of our heart and how to heal what we discover creating a powerful connection between what our heart needs and what our mind thinks we want. Now we're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Vanessa. Now let's get into the show. Hello, angels, and welcome to episode 47. Vanessa, what are we talking about today? Oh, today we're going to talk about a little thing called the father wound, (laughs) which... There's, there's people who know about it and there's a lot more people who don't know about it, but man, does it affect life <laughs> when it is, is part of your, your makeup, your existence. So um, I think it's a good idea for us to step into that today. I think we have a lot to talk about. I think that you and I are pretty, uh, we, we're pretty good at stepping into awareness of yeah. our own father wounds and, and being able to see how that plays out and that's where our strength is right it's like absolutely <laughs> most of the time we bring stuff that we're like oh we know this in and out <laughs> yes but we we've been working on it for a long time right right and like being that allows us to be sympathetic and empathetic to you know the people that are listening of how difficult that struggle really is and how difficult even sometimes that awareness is mm-hmm. and that's what i'm hoping that we do or and, and i know that you're hoping too that's what we do with this podcast is, you know, just increasing people's awareness of what a father wound is and how it could be playing a big part of life in a negative way. And, you know, more importantly, what do you do with that information when you figure it out? (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, to give it to you big scale, sometimes the relationships you have with your primary male father figure, which Mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes people grow up and they don't know their true father or they they just have lived with their stepfather or maybe they're raised by their grandparents. Yeah. Um, so it can come in different ways, but the big picture is your relationship with your primary male figure, your father figure in your life will shape and form and dictate how you have the relationship you have with males forever. Like, your relationship with them, there's almost in some ways the thing that you try to work out in other people. Yeah, definitely. You're- I mean, it's, it's the programming, right? Like with that clean slate that we are as a child, it gets written on. Every experience gets, it gets written on and we take it as truth because we don't know any different. We, we trust our environments uh, inherently because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and that gets written on there. And then we just carry it through life as truth you know, and, and that it shapes so many things. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people have difficulty with the concept of father wound because they don't want to point fingers at the people who have taken care of them in their lives. And, and I think it's important, you know, before we even start off to know that that's not what we do. You know, if you've been listening to us for any period of time, you know, that that's not what we do. We don't go and trash our family members we explain what that has done for us and I think um 
typically speaking, when we have a father wound and we did have a positive male in our lives, that father wound is from that absent father or absent feeling or whatever, you know, like that, that, that it can be an absence and not necessarily the presence. And that's like compounds the whole thing. People are like, what the hell are you talking about? But it's true. You know, yes. I mean, I think some of the stuff that we have to believe in, we just have to believe in it because it exists and not try to logic, you know, the hell out of it. Because guess what? We're humans. We don't, yes. we sometimes don't make sense. No. <laughs> and emotions, you can't rationalize emotions. Emotions are Absolutely. what they are. Um, and, you know, some of the bigger things too is, um, like you were saying, Vanessa, is, is like you were talking about the absence. Well, and I completely lost my train of thought because I was like, okay, I'm going somewhere with this, but where am I going? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, Which we is are, why I have my little hand that nobody can see it, but I have it, my little, <laughs> my little right pad because it happens to me all the time. <laughs> I know. My brain is like a big open vacuum sometimes. Um, so, you know, you're right, Vanessa. We are not here to blame, shame, to point fingers. We're not here to create a situation where you go and blame and shame and point fingers. We're creating the awareness with inside of us so that we can work through our part of the situation. And when we think about it, you know, and those of you who are like, but the, you know, my, my dad took care of me and, and he was really good. And, you know, you don't want to tarnish that image or that thought, you know, it's not devaluing what you got from it. It's not, right. when we're talking about father woundings, it's talking about some of the things that created the alternate belief systems in our minds about ourselves and yeah. who we are. If it, if it doesn't align with teaching yourself encouragement, pride, empowerment, love, if, if there isn't a sense of just that sense of well-being and they didn't, then, then maybe your father wounding is different or maybe it's not as prevalent. Maybe it's, it's minor. Maybe, you know, dare I say that there are people in this world without a father wounding? Um, I'm hoping that there are, because um, if not, we have a lot of work to do. Um, well, I think but, it shows up differently. I think, I think people who have like a, you know, a very um, positive experience with males, their father wounding tends to be a comparison wound. So it's like surface, it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. a surface wound that is very easily like, you know, I kind of wiped out versus these deeper, you know, unconscious, you know, kind of what, what's been missing wounds. Right. Right. So understand too is that when we talk about a certain kind doesn't mean you have to have that wound you could have other different types of woundings that we don't talk about because there's so many um so it just really we're asking that you sit and and kind of go on our journey with us we're gonna share i'm gonna share vanessa is gonna have her own aut autonomy about her sharing i'm not gonna make her share um i'm gonna share a little bit about my own you know, father wounding and the, like, I just had a recent epiphany, which is why I felt this was, we felt that this was so um, prevalent and important um, because 
it, it was a life-changing epiphany for me and, and it shifted so much of my life. And so I want to share that with you as well as, you know, we're just going to go on a journey about some of the things that could happen and some of the things that could manifest as a father wounding. And, and, and maybe your neutral observer, go back to episode two, um, we could help in this way to see, is this a father wounding or is this just, is this from someone else who owns this, you know, who was, who created that within me, who created this wounding? Not all, not all male wounds are father wounds. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, just open your heart, open your mind, just kind of take the journey with us and just create introspection and, and allow yourself to be kind of introspective about what it is maybe you're experiencing. And if you still have questions, of course, we're always here to help. We're always here to, you know, assist in every way possible. Um, if you're not sure, or if you see a therapist question, ask them, Hey, do you think this, incident or this moment or this idea or thought is a father wounding and what do we do about healing it you know right. really father says if you are aware of it yes <laughs> the answer is yes let's process it if you brought it here it's a thing <laughs> yes exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah i think i think uh you know it, people who are listening it may be simple in their minds of like, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. But like, you know, like Amy said, you kind of open your hearts and your minds and just the, to the possibility that there is growth in everything, you know, that, that you hear, you know, I mean, that there's, there's something that we can take from every topic that anybody ever speaks on um, everywhere, <laughs> no matter what, like, I think that we all have the ability to, uh, you know, tap in to something that relates to us. And I think, you know, like I said, I, doing what I do. There's more people walking around there with a father wound than they know. And sometimes they're, um, you know, huge and sometimes they're small, but they come out big in certain ways that really when you do the work, it's like clears the path in, in some places that just, you know, makes your, your life a wide open, beautiful place. Yep. Absolutely. So let's begin. I let's begin by sharing my story because then we can kind of shoot off from there about some of the things and how some things manifest. Um, so to give you guys a frame of reference, um, my when I was young, my dad and my mom got divorced. Um, they were divorcing while she was pregnant with me, and um, so I never really when I was an infant, there was never any father daughter time. There was never really any connectivity. And I used to go with my older brother to his house occasionally, but never really connected it as though, you know, um, I think I knew he was my dad, but I never, I, I guess I get, I never really had this connection. Well, I remember it was back. If you think about third or fourth grade, when, we finally started to see my dad in earnest and um, I created a lie actively that I didn't realize my dad was my dad until, you know, until he had his accident. Um, And I actively created that lie. My brain decided that lie was necessary because it had to cover a lot of the wounding that was there. And when this past week I had 
you know, doing the work that I do, I'm in it, you know, for others, for myself, you know, this kind of, I had a moment where I was shown and where I felt this, that I realized it was a lie. Like I believed my own lie all this time from that age to now. And I realized was that there was a lot of a wellspring of just rejection, rejection, pain, the feeling of unworthiness, the feeling of not fitting in, of not being wanted, the feeling of having no value, the feeling of I wasn't enough to be fought for, um, that kind of feeling, emotion, manifestation. And I could talk to you with a very calm demeanor now, but at that moment when I discovered that, I was not, not calm in any way. Um, but, I bet. Such a reason. You know, but because what in the action that I was doing was I was meeting, you know, we were doing a guided meditation with our, um, with our guides and our angels um, to help heal the last of the cellular memory that keeps us from stepping forward into our truest authentic self and to allowing our light to shine into the world. Well, be careful what you ask for, you know, <laughs> Take it back. It hurts. <laughs> so, but because of where I'm at, because of how much I have worked on my father woundings from the, the conscious father woundings, I, I immediately, had this wellspring of compassion for myself and understanding because the emotion was very raw, like a little child would have. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't, I knew that, you know, I didn't need to blame him or blame myself or blame people. It was just about, it was an understanding that there's this pocket of belief still there. And so, you know, I, you know, I processed it. I processed it, but it also helped me see the effects of this wounding. So this wounding has caused, caused me and pushed me to be the quote unquote son that I felt that if I was, then he would have accepted me. So I felt if I was a boy versus a girl, then I would have, you know, been accepted, been cared for, been loved. So Mm -hmm. I, what did I do? I was the son that, I tried to act like the son that he wanted, that my, that, you know, the working on houses, learning to fix cars, you know, doing all the boy things that typically they're not boy things, by the way. I don't believe that. But in that moment, in that era, that's our little kid brains, see what our moms do and see what our dads do. And we assign gender roles to the things that we see. That's just what we do. So (laughs) So they were boy things in your mind. (laughs) You know, and so it was like, I just, I kept trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And I rejected a lot of my femininity. I rejected the female part of who I was because, and I won't lie. And this is total hundred percent honest truth because with all the, with all this discovery and being in Portland and this discovery, and, and even in the past, like five or six years, I've wondered whether I'm gender neutral, whether yeah. I don't identify as either. I physically am female, but I don't, I'm kind of, I was on the fence because I was interested in all the guy things. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not, but, but that's, that's just me creating another rabbit hole that I didn't need to go down, which I'm not. I identify as female, by the way. She, her, right, my you pronouns. You that rabbit hole, right? Like yeah. that's, that's where that solidity of like, okay, like I had to think about it so that I could push that one away. Like I already dealt with that. I did that. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of, you know, which created further woundings, you know, the only place as a female, you know, the only place 
you know, I felt I could show up as a female is with intercourse and it being intimate with other people. And, and so then, you know, for a moment that became a driving factor because I desperately wanted to feel like a girl. I I wanted to feel human. I wanted to feel like a woman, you know? And so, you know, those, those, that was one wounding out of a couple and that's how it stretched into the manifestation. And that's how it manifested in my life, you know, trying to have that proving that I'm just as good, even though I'm a girl, you know, the loss of the, the identity of being feminine and, and how that manifested into me being a little bit of a hoe for a minute. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and <laughs> nobody can see me with the shrugs, but you know, I, I, think, I think many of us have that like, oh, okay. <laughs> probably always doing that (laughs) we all have that time period where we shake our heads at ourselves a little bit like oh yeah that was a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so it just a lot of um you know my whole life in that belief system that wounding that was so cut that was covered it was necessary now I don't I'm not angry at my brain for creating the lie I'm not mad at myself for creating it because had I not I would have gone down the road of a very deep, dark mental health type of state. I don't think that I would have come out of it as easy had the lie not been easy and just lit there. And I believe it. Um, It was necessary. So I know that and I understand that. So there's no sense of, oh my God, you lied. You know, I don't know. That doesn't bother me because the lie was necessary. Um, And even, even my dad's actions, it's like, I knew that, because of the self-awareness, because of the work I've done. And if, if we, if I, if we could advocate ever any to do the work, this is one of those moments because I didn't take on all of his actions as well. Why, why, you know, I didn't try to, I didn't have to sort through it. I kind of handed his actions and his words and who he was back to himself energetically and said, these are yours. These are not mine to heal. This is not, this is not mine. This is your actions. And that right. I didn't have any culpability. I was a fucking infant and a right. child. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, there's no way that I could have done anything or been anything that would have created that sense of unworthiness or treat, being treated as unworthy, you know, in any way, shape or form. There was no way, there was no way. Yeah. There was no ownership except for my reaction to it, which I have to handle on my own. And, you know, right. and which was compassion and empathy or the things that heal all wounds. So you know, that's what self-awareness has brought me is that ability to do that and to process it quicker. But anyways, so that's, that's my short, but not story of, of father woundings in the sense of, you know, how it's manifested in my life and how it trajectory. Now I don't, I won't give up any of those experiences, but it makes me sad that now there's a sense of, um, now there's a sense of understanding and a different lens that I view those moments and all the things that I did and with him and trying to do. And it's like an understanding of, Oh, that wasn't just, Oh, let's go have fun. That was a, I I deeply need to prove to you who I am and that I'm of value to you. Um, Well, and relation, right? Like I think that um, a lot of like, and even as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, like, the work that I've done on my father wound is generally in terms of relationships um, because I feel like with what I do for a living, I, I have created empathy and compassion for like the males that are in front of me and been able to do that work. Um, 
and, you know, I have kind of done a lot of um, even, you know, work going backwards and kind of doing some forgiveness that I needed to do when it came to my father. And, and I mean, who I call my father, he's my stepfather, but he's, you know, he's been in my life for my all that I can remember, you know, and just doing some of that forgiveness. Um, but, you know, for me, it manifests in relationships and trusting men, um, you know, in, in that term, but it's, it's, it was like relation. And like, even as you were talking, it was like, when we talk about, um, you know, filling shoes that are not ours, we're kind of doing it like, because we, as kids, we say, dad likes that. I'm going to do that because I want to spend time with him. Right. Like I, I look back at myself as a teenager and I was very much a tomboy, except (laughs) that I wore like a ton of makeup and dyed my hair all the time. But like, I didn't dress my body as a woman very often. It was like our, our cheerleading outfits was like the most like (laughs) womanly I dressed. And it was very much because I didn't think I could relate to my dad as a girl. I felt like I could relate to him if I was a tomboy and that he would want to do more things with me and we would be able to connect better. Like I was trying to connect with him and, you know, it wasn't until I became an adult and, you know, doing the things that I did that I was able to to look back and say, you know, like he was doing the best that he could with what he had. And he was trying to relate to me too and wasn't able to, you know, like that, that, I think that that narrative that we get that we hold on to sometimes that's negative, that they didn't love us, that they wanted us to be something else. Like we created that and then, and then rolled with it because that's what our little head said. Um, But at some point we do have to look back and I'm going to tell you a story (laughs) that is hilarious about how I started that work. Okay. Um, Mary Poppins is my favorite Disney movie. (laughs) It's same. I mean, it's just always probably going to be my favorite Disney movie. But in that movie, when the kids run away after the bank incident or whatever, and I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody, but like the movie's from the 70s. So (laughs) hopefully everybody's seen it. (laughs) But anyway, um, the the Bert, the chimney sweep, catches up with the kids and they're talking about how terrible their father is. Um, you know, and, you know, to put it in context, the father is a banker, he works long hours, he's very strict, he's very, you know, like, kind of abrasive and doesn't want to have fun and just kind of crushes the little kids souls on a regular basis. (laughs) And so the kids are like, freaking out about it. And Bert sits them down. And he's like, your father's essentially, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially says, like, your father's a person, your father's a human being he's responsible for the household. He's responsible for so much that he doesn't tell you about because it's not appropriate, you know, and that he is a human being and it kind of humanizes to the children, their father and saying like, he looks after you and you have people that look after you, but who looks after your father? Who does he go to? Who cares for him? You know, and just kind of humanizes it. And it took me down the rabbit hole of like, oh my God, like, what was my dad's relationship with his dad? Like, you know, like, whoa, you know, like, and I really, cause I knew my grandfather and I knew that he was not a super compassionate, super hands on. He was very military, very whatever. And I'm like, well, how the freak was my dad supposed to figure it out? You know, like he did the best he could with the resources he was provided with also. 
you know, and that like, to me, that created the forgiveness that needed to be there. I needed to humanize my father instead of putting expectation on him to be a perfect human being and understand that maybe he could have done work, but I also, again, I put it in context in the eighties where men running to therapy, of course they freaking weren't, you know, like you had to be a man, man and go to work and do a manly job and rah, you know, it wasn't there for him, you know? And so I had to do that work to be like, he did the best that he could and then go backwards and look at all that good stuff, yeah. you know? And I was able to create so much more positive and replace that feeling of like, maybe he didn't love me or maybe because I wasn't his blood, he felt a certain way. Or maybe because when I was very small and wanted to see my biological father, I hurt his feelings. Like all these little stories that yeah. I told myself, I'm like, Oh, like you made that shit up because you were trying to, you needed to have an explanation. You know, our brains want explanation because we can't move forward with action unless we have explanation. So we make it up. We play detective, we find clues and we make up a story and go with it. And it isn't until we find other clues (laughs) that we can change the story. Um, And so for me, it was like, you know, going backwards and being like, Yeah. I mean, I did do, I did kind of the same thing that you did. I kind of rejected my femininity in some ways, you know, Uh, my face (laughs) was very feminine, but the rest of my body, which is where I would get attention for being different, you know, for being a girl that I wanted to dress down because I didn't want that kind of attention, but it was all just relating. And I felt like I could relate to him and make it easy for him to attach to me if I didn't make him feel uncomfortable. And it was like, <laughs> like, oh my God. And now my narrative is totally different. I know he loved me. I see now his loving gestures as loving gestures and not just what you're supposed to do as a father. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, like I now see like, whoa, like to him, that was how he was raised. So he was just emulating what he was. He was trying to make his father proud you know, and doing what his father taught him to do. (laughs) Holy shit. You know, like freedom, right? Freedom. Now, what does that do for me in relationships? (laughs) Well, shit. (laughs) I, I have a tendency to not trust people relating to me. I have a tendency of feeling like I have to assimilate in order for people to be able to attach to me. But I also have a very big fear of being trapped and this has nothing to do with my stepfather it has everything to do with my birth father who was never really there um my stepfather came into the situation when I was like two two and a half so he's always been he's always been there always been my dad he was the one who took me to whatever you know like provided for me like he's always been my dad and this other guy came in and out whenever he wanted would randomly show up didn't pay child support would always try to get out of it. He was like, you know, like just, he wa- he wanted to say he had a daughter, but he didn't want to like actively be a parent. Well, at some point I decided I did not want that in my life because I had a father who I loved and I didn't think it would, it was right. I didn't feel attached to this other person. I didn't want to do it. Luckily I have a great mom who said, if that's what you want, 
as soon as the state says you're old enough to say that, I swear to God, I won't do anything. Like I, I will let you do whatever you need to do. So that's what happened. I changed my last name as soon as I was old enough to do that to my stepfather's last name and decided I didn't want to see this man. Well, what has happened through my entire life, including up until last week when I got a LinkedIn, uh, me not message, but like a connection request from him is that Ooh. he's continued to constantly try to push himself on me in his life or in my life or together, you know, like for a while I let it happen because I felt bad. Oh, he's my father. There's obligation there. Ooh. He probably, you know, like I tried to rationalize all of these things of why I should do it. You know, like it's, you know, doing kind of some of that work and saying, oh, you know, like he only did the best he could with what he had. It doesn't matter. There's not an obligation there. And I didn't have an attachment, so I don't have to do it. But it took me a long time to do that. But what has that created in me? My boundaries mean nothing. No man, if, if the man who gave me life will not respect my boundaries, how do I expect another man to respect my boundaries? Right. They won't. And every time I've gotten evidence that they won't, it has solidified that feeling, that thought, that, that knowledge. Crazy, right? Like people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how does that, how do those two things go together? Well, I just told you how those two things go together. And the reason why I told you that long drawn out story <laughs> was for the two reasons, for the, what happens when you have that, that male person in your life that you're trying to connect to, but also that absenteeism, how that can really affect you in some wacky ass ways. <laughs> and so it's kind of like what we said at the beginning, like you may not think you have some of these things, but if you really sit down, there might be something that has gotten in your way because of a story you told yourself as a child. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what you were saying, and I want to go back to the first part of what you were saying about how you humanized your dad. That is, when I was reading my first, excuse me, I just sneezed. <laughs> and now my whole face is like, oh. Yeah, um, I get it. So when I first started on my spiritual journey, the first kind of person I really connected with was Louise Hay. And I love her dealing and her in her book, you can heal your life. That is one of the exercises wow. is to see your, your parent, the person who gave you the wounding, see them as a child, see them as their product of their environment. What did they go through? What are they feeling? See their wounding, see how, how they may have suffered in the hands of their parents. And, and um, you know, it really brings awareness to their humanness. And so when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I, I totally, yeah, that's, that's, that's has helped me in so many ways to be, yeah. to have understanding of, you know, my dad's, my dad's upbringing was not good. I mean, he was sexually molested at a very young age and um, by one of his uncles and, um, and he, his father, he was very much like, he was that, you know, you work until you can't work no more type of person, which is exactly who mm -hmm. my father was. Um, and, yeah. you know, and so he was, he was never really accepted by his family. He, he was very much not, he was very much the person, the outcast, the rogue in his family. Cause he went on and did other things and didn't do what, you know, the family, he wasn't into farming. He wasn't into, you know, at that time he wasn't building houses. He wasn't. No. So, 
for him to, you know, create a safe, loving, warm environment for his children, he didn't, he didn't have the skills. He didn't have the ability because he didn't know how that felt. He didn't know what that was. He didn't know how to create it for us. And, you know, and I kind of hear some of you in the back of my mind saying, so what do we do with all this? Even if we, <laughs> how do we, you know, if, if we're humanizing our parents, you know, we have understanding and empathy. Well, what do we do? That doesn't mean that they're still not responsible for their actions. Of course. We have to understand that we can have empathy and sympathy for some, for people and have understanding of where, why they did it, but that doesn't make them um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't for? give them a right to be in your life, ruining it continuously to this day. <laughs> Just, well, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even give them the right to do things that are, that are not kind, that are, that are unkind. It's, you know, where they're coming from. So there's a sense of understanding, but that's for you to release that and give it back to them, give their actions back to them, give their, you know, if they're, if, if they're, especially if they're abusive in any way, that's, that's not for you to heal. That's their wounding. Their actions right. are their own to heal your right. response, your inner trauma, your, your cellular memory are your responsibility. It isn't, you don't have to heal their wounding. This is, I really want to be very clear about that because in the beginning, I wanted to do that. I wanted to heal them because I didn't want them to feel what I knew they felt. And it has, it's, it's not, and it's not even about blaming. I didn't blame my dad for, for making me feel like I was, had no value because in the situation, he wasn't purposefully doing that. He wasn't creating a situation where like, I'm going to make her feel like she's worthless. He didn't, (laughs) there wasn't an active sense of vengeance or there wasn't an an active sense of, I'm going to make you feel this way. It was, it was a product of the actions that he took that he felt was best for him in that moment. And unfortunately there was fallout me feeling the way that I felt. Yeah. And, and I use that I use that in therapy all the time where I actually say that like we're here to explain it you know like that that our parents didn't have us to torture us like they're they didn't set out and be like watch what I'm about to do right now to this kid like and and people a lot of times will laugh because they're like yeah I mean <laughs> when you put it that way it's like a little bit like yeah I guess I probably know that but need to hear it and need to say it yes in order to to get to that level of people hate the word forgiveness because yeah. they feel like it's letting people off the hook but you need to get to the level of understanding that allows you to forgive that it happened not forgive them for being bad to you forgive that it happened because you now understand why and then move forward and acceptance even just even before forgiveness there's a level of acceptance that needs to happen to release you to begin to release you from that moment that trauma to begin to heal that trauma and also forgive the situation but forgive yourself for loving them anyways I think we, we struggle so much with people who hurt us and we love them and we continuously want them to love us and and we kind of we we end up beating ourselves up in the process and i think part of that is just forgiving ourselves for understanding that you know that that we love them anyways that we want their love regardless of what their woundings are because you know we work so hard to do it and sometimes at detriment to ourselves so there is a level of self-forgiveness that is hard to achieve sometimes but 
except well, it's, it's hard to let go of love but we don't have to and i think that's another thing about it is that like what you just said is like hits the nail on the head people are like well what am i supposed to do not love them it's like no of course not this is not the, the journey we're on is not to stop loving the people who gave you life the journey that we're on is to love them as humans and love them as imperfect and love in terms of they're a human being on this earth and we want the best for them, but we don't have to actively give pieces of us away to them anymore out of love. Right. Right. And some people don't realize their father woundings until they're 40 or 50 years old. Amen. Here I am. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) that trap thing came up last week, by the way, like this is not a thing that I've been running with for years. Like that last week came up to me where I was like, Oh my God, that's why I'm a runner. Holy shit. (laughs) It literally, because I don't run from my friends. I don't run from my mom. I don't run from whatever, but I run and I hide from a man who I do not believe is, is going to respect my boundaries. Cause if they crossed it one time, they'll always do it in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. (laughs) Things can show up in the oddest places. And I, you know, I know. So what is, so they're like, what do we do with all this yeah, shit? They're like, still, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think, I think one of the important steps to do, and this is what, um, you know, like is helpful for me, but I understand that, you know, as, as a, as a therapist and a counselor, I know that there's many different outlets that people can use, but what we need to do is talk about it in one way or another. Some people will find it helpful to journal and that's what happens to me. I get a lot of epiphanies if I really just sit down and kind of like, sometimes it starts as a bitch session. Sometimes I'm writing a nasty letter to somebody, um, you know, or whatever. So once you've determined your father wound, you could write a nasty letter to your father, you know, to get that nastiness out and then start to work on like, okay, well, what has this done to me? And what, what now, can I find as evidence that that is not true in my whole entire life? And if it is true in my whole entire life, where was I taking the steps toward it? Because that is a hundred percent where we need to get to is taking ownership from this day forward of how we are going to either walk toward it continuously or walk away from it. And sometimes awareness is enough, right? Like I can see that this is what I do. So now I actively have to tell myself when I feel a boundary is crossed, you need to sit here and talk about your boundary. You don't need to just decide that the story is the boundary doesn't exist in that person's mind. And so therefore you just go away from that person because they'll never get it. You know, like that's to me, like the process of in that instance, we have to then formulate a plan that, 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 is, is the opposite action that we have been taking because of this father wound. Yep. And, you know, and, and if you are having a hard time identifying your father wound, look at your relationships, all your past relationships with, especially with a significant other or male or your relationship with men, you know, how do they go? Is there a similar beginning a similar middle a similar end are are they all kind of smelling like the same person have you made this statement i don't know why i date the same person over and over again yeah it's because you're man in different skin your wounding is calling that your wounding is 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 that's the beacon that is being given to to 
attract your next mate. That's why that, you know, that's one of the core reasons why we're talking about this is because we want you (laughs) to be able to break that cycle. We want you to have awareness so you can begin healing that wounding. So your trauma isn't attracting the next person. That's exactly like your trauma. Right. Because it's familiar. Because exactly. the devil, you know, is always going to show up and we are always going to be like, what's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> Long Here time to see. We're coming. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's another way. The other thing is, is, you know, another perspective is, is about healing your relationships with, uh, through other people. We do that a lot. I noticed a couple of years ago that a lot of my friends are the age of my mom or close to it. <laughs> and it's because I don't have a relationship with my mother. Oh. And I desperately want a relationship with my mother. Now this is a whole nother story, but it can apply to fam- the, the male wounding as well. And yeah. so a lot of my friends are of her age. And I'm like, oh, well, what would Freud say about that? And, you know, <laughs> but, oh, um, Dr. Freud. <laughs> but the other thing too, that I want to bring up is that um, sometimes like, for example, I, this is a more of a multi-generational thing, but I had an argument with my grandfather. My grandfather raised me, you know, every day for a certain period of hours while my mom was at work and I, after school and on the weekends. And I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. And so he became my father figure. Mm -hmm. And we had an argument when I moved away for a year and it broke his heart. Like I was his favorite. And I didn't know that until very, quite a few years later. Um, I broke his heart and I moved away. And when I came back, he didn't really want to talk to me. He didn't really want to have conversation or it's not Mm -hmm. that he didn't love me. It was just, he was still in a lot of pain and he wouldn't tell me, he wouldn't emote. He would just be like, Hey, how's it going? You know, never, not really. I'm not getting close to her again. What if she takes off? Yeah. Cause you know, that's, that's how, especially a grandfather. I mean, that generation, you you don't express how you feel. You don't talk how you feel. Um, Absolutely. And when I sat down one day, I was in the shower and I had this big epiphany of what are all my, what are the common things in all my relationships? The need to make men emote. All of my relationships were men who weren't emotionally available. They weren't telling me how they felt. They didn't share how they feel. They didn't really care. They didn't really share much about themselves at all. And it was me trying to heal that rift with my grandfather through other men and making them be emotional with me and to talk to me about their emotions. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay? okay. Because I, as you said that, I was like, ding, ding, ding in my own life. Because I, I feel like I've done the same thing, but possibly for a different reason. I don't trust a man when they do emote because I don't know what that looks like because it's not something I was raised to trust. Right. And what has happened is that and I was just, I was literally just talking about this with my boyfriend the other day about a lot of my experience with men emoting has been in relationships and it has been a manipulation tactic, right? And yes. so I, that message has been loud and clear with me that I cannot trust the emotion that a man is showing to me, whether it's the beginning of a relationship the middle of a relationship near the end, I'm like, what's the, what's the end goal of you telling me how you feel? 
And it's like, what? Like, that's what you've been asking for this whole time. But if you can't trust it, you're not going to accept it. Right. Because it's freaking weird. It doesn't feel normal. It feels very normal to be around a person who doesn't really tell you how they feel. And you get to be special if they do, because you've taught them, right? Like now you don't feel like it's a manipulation because they didn't know how to do it. Now you taught them. It's very genuine. It feels genuine because it happened only with you. Um, but yeah, like when you were talking about it, I was like, dude, a hundred percent, because that's, that's been a struggle for me is to be able to understand that, that, that I perpetrate the, uh, the, the lack of emotion if I don't accept it or if I believe it to be a manipulation, I am now get sending that message that your emotions don't, aren't valid, you know? And so that was, that was work I really had to do and still have to do to this day because it's a trust issue and you worry. And again, when you have, you know, 45 things that happened that gave you that message and, and, and really solidified that message for you and three that possibly don't yes. <laughs> it's like really difficult yep. to change your mind. Yep. Yep. And you know, in, in those realizations and understanding and, and what I was doing, I would, it was funny because I called up a person who I had dated before, but kind of, you know, we stuck, we kind of hung, we still were friends and whatever. I called him up and I said, you no longer need to emote for me. I release you from any need to emote for me. And he's like, <laughs> Okay. And I said, and I set you free. So if, if this is not working and if we're not, if you know, then, then I let you go. And I was just so ready to just, you know, and I'm like, so there, it it shows up in so many ways, you know, look at what you're trying to achieve in relationships. Do you have people who are, you know, are not emoting and then you're trying to get them to be emotional with you. Are there common themes through your relationships that you realize that, oh, maybe that's a wounding. Oh, you know, right. or maybe that goes deeper than the first guy who broke my heart did this. Like, right. well, let's go back a little further. <laughs> exactly. Because when we get to discover at least its origins, then we can do the work to heal. And there are ways to clear the trauma and there are ways to clear the cellular memory. I mean, that's what we were doing when I had that awakening last week was we were clearing it. It was on its way out. And so, you know, what, what are the effects? What, okay. So let's look at the other side of this idea and this awakening and this understanding of our woundings. What do we do with it? We, we do the work, we become self-aware, we practice, you know, what we can, we go see our therapist because they'll help us. That's, that's to me is step number two is I have this awakening time to go to therapy. You know, I bring it to my therapist, you know, we work through it, we process it. We make sure we have understandings that are important. We release the things that aren't ours to heal and we heal the things that are ours to heal, which thank you angels for helping me do that without me needing to be participant. Um, and you know, and then, then we're on the other side of that. What does that look like? Well, you know, I, I'm sleeping better. I am questioning every automatic response that I have. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, uh, like, like 
before when I would respond and thinking, oh, I wouldn't be comfortable in a group situation because I'd be afraid of what they think of me, that they were laughing at me, that, you know, whatever, whatever. And I, so when I have those types of automatic thoughts or automatic responses, I question myself. I said, well, well, wait a minute. That was before we knew this. That was before we knew this scenario of this pain of this, that we've worked on it. How would we react if we didn't have that? How would we react if we, if, you know, we do the work and we're released from the cellular memory. What would we have done? And I'm like, I would have walked up in there and I would have owned myself and I owned my energy and owned who I am and, and been like, yep. And I'm just as worthy to be here as everybody else is. And I'm like, exactly. So in doing the work and whatever that is, there's a sense of confidence. There's a sense of like, for example, food is comfort for me. Food is my addiction. It always will be. Um, but I don't have necessarily the need to eat. Like I can go hours. I mean, I can eat twice a day and I'm okay. You know, I don't necessarily need three meals. And so food has kind of become a, okay, I got to do it because I got to eat because I got to live. But for the most part, I don't go craving it like I used to. So it can heal many things on many levels, depending on what it's affecting. Um, That's the fun part is you get to recreate yourself in a sense of your reactions with the world, with people, with your relationships, you get to fix that. You get to change it. Yeah. And it's a sense of freedom, right? Like it's a sense of freedom that, that I am no longer a slave to what I believe negatively, you know, that I can, I can go out and seek alternatives and they're probably going to be there, you know, like that, there's that, that limiting belief that, that we hold on to because of the wound. It totally, keeps us in a box it keeps us in one lane we don't look other places because we don't believe there's anything there for us we don't believe in the possibility even at all so that freedom that you get of like okay so that story is different what other stories might be different let me go see i'm willing to be vulnerable and check it out because nothing's going to be worse than what i already did to myself (laughs) that's what i say like well you already done did a whole bunch of like whoa (laughs) the next one probably isn't going to be that way because of your awareness because of your freedom because of your investigation that you're that you're going through this detective work with intention man it is freeing because you have the right to walk away from things because you realize that that you're creating the same pattern I mean it's really it really is freeing and um you know, I find it to be less scary than some other stuff. Like some other stuff when I'm vulnerable, I'm like, yeah, I'm still gonna, <laughs> I'm still gonna <laughs> hide a little under this thing. Cause that's like, a, I could get hurt real easily. But when you have that power, when you feel powerful, you feel that things can bounce off of you versus, yeah. you know, penetrate you and just destroy your confidence and destroy your everything. And this, this in particular, I think, um, you know, it, it, the humanizing of our, our people who wounded us allows us to keep humanizing all people, right? So then when we see somebody in front of us that reminds us of that person, we can humanize them right away and be able to say like, hey man, your wounds are your wounds. I don't have to be here though. You know, if you're, if, if, if you are going to perpetrate that cycle, I don't have to be here, but I see it. I don't have to fix you. I don't have to, I don't have to do this. Like, this is your work. 
and I see you for who you are. I see you for your experience and not intent. And it's like, I mean, it's such an easier way to live than trying to, you know, create yeah. stories. And I did want to, as we were talking a little bit, um, I, cause I was actually thinking about the infancy thing. Um, and something that I learned when I was pregnant um, was that when you're in the womb, the way that your mother reacts to people, you feel it, obviously. It's like, you I mean, your mom's emotions are your emotions at that time. Um, and I did learn, you know, like from my own daughter, <laughs> when she came out into the world, some of the things that she innately did. And even when I look back at pictures, some of the expressions that she has towards certain people, I'm like, damn, that is super true. <laughs> so I think that um, some of that, you know, just to kind of throw another monkey wrench in there, guys, in case you, uh, you know, want to have more like, damn it, I have to go that far back. Yes, you have to go that far back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you do just because it is a part of, like Amy said, your cellular memory. And that is sometimes the only way we can connect to the idea of cellular memory is to think of in utero and literally cells and cells together of mom and me. Right. Well, and, you know, and it's funny you say that because two things, one is when we were doing the meditation, we were going back to our Stargate. And for those of you who don't believe we originate from other planets, that's fine. You don't have to. That's my, you know, I know that one of my past lifetimes, I was in a different planet, but, um, you know, and I had birth trauma coming through because I didn't want to reincarnate into this lifetime. And, but they pushed me and forced me to do it anyways. So I reincarnated in this lifetime knowing because I, I saw my contract, I saw what I would have to accomplish. And I felt that it wasn't accomplishable. Like I felt it was not capable. I was not capable, but, but they put me in this lifetime anyways. But something that had occurred to me that was one, a previous long time ago, something I worked through was that idea of birth trauma, that idea of in, in, in utero trauma, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it, what did, what did my mom, what do you think my mom felt knowing that her husband left her after she just got pregnant? She didn't really have mm-hmm. a lot of money. She didn't, she was just a nurse. She wasn't making a ton, ton of money. And yeah. my dad left her. And her worthiness was in the toilet as well. Yeah. And, and it was his fault. Yep. And, you know, her worthiness, her sense of love, her mm-hmm. self-recrimination, her self-esteem was probably tanked in the toilet, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's so much that's so true. It's so very true and it is healable. It's all healable Absolutely. and it's all, you, you can work through it all. So don't, don't get scared friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I know it's totally like freaking okay. So from birth to now, <laughs> I have to evaluate every single male interaction, like kind of yes and no. I mean, it's, it it is pretty simple. Even I think even once we realize there is a male wound or father wound, sometimes we don't have to know every detail. We just have to be like, okay, so what does it look like today? And how do I make it not look the same tomorrow? And I, you know, you can totally go in and working with a healer and just saying, I don't want to know details. Um, you know, un- unless I need to know a message, which sometimes they will, it won't go away in the first round because there's something you need to learn or something you need to know. And then it'll, it'll, he- we can heal it on the cellular level. Um, but it's all possible. It's all possible. And, and I find because I've had such a profound um, 
reaction to my own experience. I, I just, that's kind of why I wanted to bring it to all of you because I want all of you to have that profound experience. If you have father wounding and your worth and, or in whatever way, I mean, if you were talking heavy physical abuse or sexual abuse or mental abuse, that's a different story. You need to go seek a counselor. You need to get someone to help you through this. It's far more than just not feeling loved. And even if that's what you feel, it's also true. You need to seek a counselor. I think the best way to walk through any wounding, whether it's male, whether it's female, mother, father, you know, friend, friend, you really just could use a lot of help. And in a therapist, it's, it's important because that my therapy is she may not do, or she may not, you know, we, but she, she actively helps me. She actively helps me process and making sure I've done the steps to processing. And so that I'm on the other side of it versus getting stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And that's sure. important. That's why therapy is important, I feel. For sure. I mean, I even did an exercise with my supervisor. It wasn't even real therapy, but she did it on me. Like, she was like, can I practice this on you? And I was like, hell yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Like, it was like a father like, memory thing. And I was like, I mean, but it was really helpful, you know, like, and it was literally just meant as like a tiny exercise for her to get practice doing it, something she learned. And I just, I really remember being like, that was so cool because it was something I didn't know was going on. It was something that literally awareness was all I needed, you know, like to just go forth and not repeat, you know, like just have it, have a different thought running through my head, but just being like, it's so cool. Like, I'm so lucky to be in the job that I'm in because of the free freaking therapy <laughs> that I get from having peer conversations. Right. I mean, it I happens know. all the time. I never ever am for lack of gratitude of that. Like I know how lucky I am. I know how it has shaped my life, you know, from a very young age, having peers around me that were, you know, therapy, uh, related or, um, you know, geared toward, you know, a therapeutic environment, but I mean, it's, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's so helpful. I mean, the, the thing that the joy that I have in my life, in my career is exactly that joy is watching people come to awareness and be set free from all of these things that they believed were demons and that's like, they're not demons, dude. They're just parts of you that you're afraid of. And when we look at them and shine the lights on them, mm-hmm. you just explain it and, and just let it go, man. Like, it's not dark. It's not scary. It's not terrible. But I also, and, you know, we're nearing the end of, of here, but I, I kind of just want to throw this in here. And, it, and it's, it, it's, it's important for men to know that your father wound is important as well and we talk a lot about men not feeling like they can talk about their feelings and and that's a I believe this to be true that it is more difficult for a man to face his father wounds than for a woman because we I think we have that we we just have a different attachment to it and it's not a measuring up in the same way that a man to man a lot of times is, um, and especially men who, um, you know, men who have, have strayed from their, uh, gender orientation or, you know, they, they, they are LGBTQ 
T like, you know, like there's, there's a lot of father wounding there that I think um, it's very, very important for everybody to, for, for the men that are listening to understand that your father wound is important too, that it shows up in your life in some of the same ways and some different ways, but it is very important because you will perpetrate who your father was, who your grandfather was, even if you don't want to. You will say you do not want to, but until you heal that wound, actually heal it, it's going to be there and you are going to operate from it. Yep. True story. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> men. Like, I am so, like, on a man kick of, like, men, we haven't forgotten about you. Yes. <laughs> we will never forget. We love you. We do. <laughs> wholeheartedly because yeah. you know you're the other half of our some of our equations you know it's yeah. or you're two parts of the equation depending on your sexual orientation so you know really right, my little daughter's gonna go out there in the world and i yeah, i need to have less father wounded men out there for her to choose from <laughs> right well you gotta start young men <laughs> therapy now <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, we're, we're all up in it. Cause her father, she has a father wound already. She's five years old. You know, I mean, she's lucky she has me for a mom. Yeah. Truly. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. We hope you got value from this. I know we were a little bit all over the place, but it's something that it's a, it can be a rabbit hole. And, and if you have questions, you need our help. You need maybe a referral to a local therapist. We can help you find one that fits your needs, uh, do anything we can. Or if you need, you want sessions with us, you know, we're happy to facilitate that for you to help you live your ultimate life. Yeah. And we love you and we want you to be happy and healthy and live in your joy that's the new that's that's the new thing for me is live in your joy and (laughs) and that can be anything so we love you and we'll talk to you next week love y'all thank you for joining us on freud's angels we are thankful for each of you opening up your heart to us to continue the healing connect with us on instagram at freud's underscore angels and on Facebook at Freud's Angels. Please subscribe to the show so that we may help you continue your journey. And remember to give us some love in the review section. If anything we've talked about today has triggered an emotional or mental crisis, please call 911 or head to the nearest emergency center. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.